Well, whiskey has got character. It can take you somewhere. It can tell you a story. Sometimes the distillery itself is full of story. Sometimes the drama is there even before the bottle's been poured. Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Morton Muse podcast. This is going to be a story-based episode, but before we talk about either the story or the distillery, the, the whiskey associated with the, with the story, I'd like to say a little bit about note-taking. See, I think note-taking is very important. And I've opened up one of my books of note-taking, because I've spilled into more than one book by now, and going back to 1998, the first entrance in this book is in a showing, and that's by Cooley's Distillery. And if I look at the second entrant, it is Connemara Pure Pot Still, which is by Cooley's Distillery. And then I left the next one free. Yeah, there's nothing written on the next one. And then we moved on to Locks Blend. That's a Cooley's Kilbegan, also from Cooley's, the Tyrconnell from Cooley's and Miller's Special Reserve from Cooley and yeah that is as far as I've got with those it's then followed by some more Irish in fact three pages along from that I've got Delaney's which is also from Cooley's and not the next one but the one after that green or single grain whiskey yes you've guessed it from Cooley's. It's going to be no surprise that um, the distillery we're going to be talking about today is of course Cooley's. And just to clear it up, the vacant page, the one that I left vacant, has now been filled up. That was filled in 2009 with my notes for the Connemara cast strength, of course by Cooley's. I waited 10 years to try that whiskey and most of that wait was, was a purposeful way I wanted to to wait for a special occasion and you know it was worth the wait it was absolutely gorgeous uh, I was listening recently to the luck of the Irish episode of the scotch cast podcasts and they tasted the Connemara peated Irish whiskey there and um, it's it's worth listening to if for no other reason than to hear their reaction when they first smell it and they burst into that oh yes it's got this it's got that I may well have actually mentioned that before now back in um, the 21st of January 2001 I even wrote a poem for Cooley's Distillery it's only a short poem and um, this is what it goes like it is the bull that holds the cause it is the hero that holds the spirit it is the fire that heats the hearth when life turns cold, it helps us bear it. It is the gift, it is the welcome, it is the tonic, it is the toast. A help in mourning or celebration, a welcome guest, a perfect host. Cooley's Distillery is a distillery that actually is, is worth mentioning. It's obviously something that I've got a bit of a love towards. And one of the reasons for this is because before Cooley's came along, 
Bushmills Distillery had joined what was then the Irish Distillers Group. Um, they're now part of Diageo. I think that was in 1973. And when they did that, basically what was happening is that there was one company, one firm, that was making all of the Irish whiskey in the world. Now, whether you like the company that's making all the Irish whiskey in the world or not, to a large degree, is, is actually irrelevant. See, Diageo... They do do some very good whiskies, and I've heard good things about them, certainly on, on more of the local level. But that's a monopoly, isn't it? The whole idea that the entire whisky production of a country is controlled by just one company, that, that's amazing. Especially when that country is a country like Ireland, which at one point was the major whisky-producing country of the world. It was produced in the, the highest quality whiskies of the world. And until the continuous still came about and the production of grain whiskey and then the subsequent blending of whiskey initiated by Andrew Usher, an agent for the Glenlivet Distillery, until that happened, Irish whiskey was there about to dominate completely the whiskey market of the world. But various things happened. There was... Um, the prohibition in America, there was the temperance movement by Father Matthew within Ireland, and there was this fantastic thing being made, blended whiskey coming from Scotland, which the Irish distilleries didn't want to have anything to do with. And the reason for that is that they felt that the pure pot still method produced a superior whiskey. And at that time, there was also going on a practice of um, mixing whiskey, buying whiskey and mixing it with other adulterants, so that if you went into a bar and you, you asked for a certain type of whiskey, there's no guarantee you were going to get that. Um, the book Bad Whiskey, um, which is reviewed on my website, is a book worth reading. Um, although that is focused mainly on Scottish whiskey, you can guarantee that that applies as well to Irish whiskey. The things they, they're putting into it is incredible. So there we have it. Irish whiskey on the verge of taking over the world, all these things working against it, and of course one of the major things working against it was the English government. So Ireland has suffered already because of that, and then this what was going to be this this giant in the whiskey industry being controlled by just one company. Incredible. And then there's this man, John Teeling, who in the early 1970s, he's an Irish man, but he's studying at Harvard University, doing a business degree, and he's looking into the marketing of Irish whiskies. One thing leads to another, and uh, he gets together some other people and decides, let's put some of this research into practice. Then, to cut a long story short, they start to found the Cooley Distillery. Now, some people would think, this is going to be fantastic, they're a bit of competition, nobody would mind that. But the IDG, Irish Distillers Group, looked at it in a slightly different way and actually tried to buy them out. And being strapped for cash, being in a very difficult market to get into, 
they felt that they were actually in a position where they may actually have to give in to this offer and sell out to the IDG. But then the Irish government stepped in, the Irish government's competition authority said no, that would contravene monopoly regulations and suddenly Cooley was given a bit of a reprise and since then has actually gone from strength to strength. And when I say from strength to strength, it is this year, 2010, World Distillery of the Year, um, which is no mean feat. They've won loads and loads of prizes and they produce some brilliant whiskies. Now, the other thing that I like about Cooley's Distillery is not just the fact that they have stood up, they have provided an independent distillery. They've done more than that. They have breathed life into some of the old names of Irish whiskey that have been lost, like Kilbegin, like Locks. And one of the ways they've done that is to actually buy up the old distillery that has been laid um, vacant, unused, and initially to use it either as storage or to open up a museum. And then more recently to reopen the Kilbegan distillery so that it is now actually producing whiskey again. Brilliant. Now the significance of the Kilbegan distillery is that it is the world's, it now is the world's oldest distillery. How fantastic to have that producing yet again. Now the, the whiskey coming from that is, is young, it's in limited supply, um, how easy it is to get hold of a bottle, I don't know. What I do know is that I've got one coming and I can't wait to see it. So that's a little bit about coolies. The other thing that I would say about coolies that they did that really caught my imagination was straight away, not only did they, they come in as this new group, lots of young ideas, challenging the, the big businesses, giving that sense of independence, breathing life into these old names. They also linked in with the heritage. And where they're sited at Cooley was the site of the Brown Bull of Cooley, which my understanding within Irish mythology was a very important character. I believe even the spirit of the Irish people rested within the spirit of the of the bulls of Cooley. And there's whole loads of folk stories um, around this that are being retold now, um, in part because of what's happening. So what they did is that they bought a brown bull and they put it on the site where the distillery is to roam amongst the land there and a competition went out for naming it and linking it through with these old stories and I think that that was lovely it showed a sensitivity to the Irish um, culture and the Irish tradition in, in history which I thought was brilliant now the temptation because of that is to link to their whiskies the story of the brown bull or one of the associated stories and I'm going to try to avoid doing that what I'm going to do instead is because Cooley's was such a, a favourite of mine, such a, a, a love of mine, that I've linked it with another story, an Irish story, 
which is also one of my favourites, if not the favourite, Irish story that I have. And that is the story of Hodden and Dodden and Donald O'Leary. And the first time I read this story, I was sat in my father-in-law's ancestral farmland um, in a almost derelict farm building. I say almost derelict, it had um, it's almost like a makeshift roof to it. It hadn't been lived in for a long, long time, but it's very traditional, very authentic Irish farmhouse, two-roomed, peat floor, and a peat fire. A peat fire that issued forth lots and lots of peat smoke. And reading a book that I'd got from a nearby second-hand bookstore, I stumbled across this story of Odden and Dodden and Donald O'Leary. I read that to my children, and as I read it, I thought, what a lovely story. And when I tasted the Connemara, the peat in the Connemara, which is a lovely, gentle peat, it's, there's a, a risk in thinking that all peated whiskies are the same, and they're not. Even just take Isla, famous for its peated whiskies, and go from distillery to distillery, and each one will have its own character, often with a saltiness to it or an iodine uh, nature to it. And the Connemara doesn't have this. The Connemara is peated. There's a definite peat level there, but it's a soft peat, a gentle peat. Um, the peat itself gives it an edge. The softness gives it a bit of character. It is gorgeous. And so I have linked the story of Hodden and Dodden and Donald O'Leary to Cooley's Connemara or Connemara Car Strength whiskey. So what I would suggest you could do is if you have a bottle of the Connemara or the Connemara Car Strength is pour yourself a, a measure of it. Get yourself into a nice comfy chair, a bit of quietness and drink slowly as you listen to the story. Hodden and Dodden were brothers who lived on a large farm with many cattle. Although they had money and wanted for little, they desired almost all they saw. Sadly for Donald O'Leary, the thing they saw most was Donald's small strip of land with his one cow. Donald was but a poor man, who had recently lost his mother, and now lived alone with but one penny and one cow to his name. Despite being so meagre, Hodden and Dodden wanted his land and plotted to get it. One night they crossed the road near Glentocka and killed Donald's cow, leaving it for him to find. Without a cow, they thought, Donald would have nothing, and be forced to sell his land for next to nothing. When Donald saw the dead cow, however, he had a different idea. Instead of giving up, Donald decided to make the most of things. He cut the hide from the cow and made a rough coat from it, putting a secret pocket in which he put his one penny. On went the coat, and off to the town of Carndonna he went. Donald went to one of the many pubs in the town, and ordered himself a glass of the local pachin. The landlord said, That will be one penny, Donald. Donald made a show of feeling his pockets, and then said, I'm sorry, my friend, but it looks like I have no money. 
The landlord began to fill with rage, but then Donald asked for a stick. Why do you want a stick? To beat my coat. You see, it is an old coat given to my mother by the fairies, and if you beat it hard, whatever money you need will fall from it. It has sad memories for me now, she has died, and I was hoping to sell it. Having been given the stick, and to the amazement of the landlord, Donald beat the coat, and out fell the penny. Having tricked the landlord, Donald had soon sold him the coat for ten pennies, and was on his way home. On his way he met Hodden and Dodden, who greeted him with false sorrow, saying that they had seen that his cow had died, and that he will need to be selling his farm. Not at all, replied Donald. In fact, what a stroke of luck that was for me. I have found out that there is a fashion in the cities for womenfolk dressed in the hides of cows, and the local landlord is willing to pay ten pennies just for the hide. I have enough money now to buy three cows. Rather shocked by this, and overcome by greed, they quickly ran back and killed ten of their own cows, cut off the hides and ran into Carndonna, and straight into the same pub that Donald had come out of. Hey, landlord, we have ten hides here, will you buy them from us? But by this time the landlord had realised the trick played upon him, and full of anger and thinking he was being taunted about it, he set upon them with all his might. Hodden and Dodden went home with bruised skin and cut lips, and a great desire to get their own back on poor Donald. Enough mucking about, said Hodden. We will grab him, put him in a sack, and drown him in the lake. Still full of anger, off they went, bursting through Donald's door, and forcing him into a sack which they tied tight. As they carried Donald to the lake, they began to realise just how heavy he was, and just how thirsty work this could be. Seeing a lone pub on the way, they hid Donald behind a hedge, and went in for a quick drink. Donald lay quietly in the sack, until he heard a farmer driving his cows coming along the road. Then he began to shout, "'I won't do it! You can't make me! I don't love her!' he screamed again and again. The farmer looked around at the sound, and then saw the sack, and went up to it. "'What's all this noise about?' he asked. "'Oh, please help me,' begged Donald. "'I've been kidnapped by two rogues, who are in there having a drink. "'They say that the Princess of Ireland has it in her head that she must marry a farming man from these parts, "'and they are going to sell me to her and force me into manage.' "'Lucky you,' replied the farmer. "'I hear she is as pretty as she is rich.' Well, I have a love of my own, said Donald, and it would break my heart to leave her. And before long, he had to convince the farmer to swap places with him, so that the farmer laid quietly in the sack, and Donald took the farmer's cows back to his small strip of land. Shortly afterwards, Hodden and Dodden came out of the pub, picked up the sack, and before long had thrown it into the lake, not realising that they were drowning the wrong man. Happy with their work, they ran home, eager to take Donald's farm that they had thought would be empty. But there was nothing but surprise when they got there, and saw not an empty farm, but one bursting with handsome-looking cattle, tended by a healthy and happy Donald O'Leary. When Donald saw them, he called over to them, 
Let's not fight, boys. I hold no grudge for you trying to kill me. You see, you did to me the best thing that anyone has ever done for me. When that sap went under the water, I thought I was going to drown. But then, just as I was about to give up, I felt myself being cut loose from the sack, and by magic I could breathe under the water. You see, under the water there's an opening to the land of fairy, and the queen herself came to my aid. So friendly and pretty she was that she took me down to that magical land, and I was treated like a king. After many weeks of this, I said I had to go home, and she gave me all these cows as a farewell gift, and told me that any friends of mine would be welcome to visit, and would get the same welcome. So that it was that I left the lake, only to find that no time had passed at all. So thank you, my friends. On hearing this, Hodden and Dodden said, You're welcome, friend, and ran as fast as they could back to the lake. They ended their days at the lake, swimming as deep as they could and searching for that secret entrance. Donald O'Leary, however, just crossed the road and took over their farm. And that is the story of how Donald O'Leary became the richest farmer in the area. So thank you for listening to that story and I do hope you enjoyed it. I can't guarantee that the story is actually set in Cardona or the area around it. I just always imagine that to be the case. And if you travel from Cardona round towards Sleeve Snack, there's a just after a turning that goes off to Clonmany, there's a lake, and in that lake there is an island, and on that island there's a bell. And I often imagine that that is the lake in the story. And if that's the case, then Mickey in Cardona, I think it could well be your pub. That's how I imagine it. But then again, there are other times I don't think it's a lake at all. I think it's the north coast of Ireland, up at Malin's Head, that they threw the sack into, near a place called the Wee House, a little old archaeological area called the Wee House, or near Bamber's Crown, in which case the pub could well be Farron's Bar, a pub where I've been many times and where there's always a lovely atmosphere. And having said that, whilst I've had many enjoyable pint of Guinness at that pub, it's also the pub where I once had Mulligan's whiskey. Not to be confused with McGilligan's whiskey, Mulligan's whiskey, which I think they bought in for a woman who liked it, is incredibly sweet and syrupy and was not to my palate at all. It's a good one, a good whiskey for headaches. That's if you actually want a headache. But I also have to say it's one, a place where I had one of my most enjoyable glasses of whiskey as well. And that was a, a lovely glass of red breast from a very old bottle. And that was beautiful. But anyway, if of course you want to contact me, as always you can do. My email is jim at themaltedmuse.com or you can contact me through the website on the contact page which is of course themaltedmuse.com Thank you again and I hope you'll be listening for the next episode. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.